Imagine a life where you can spend according to your values, give generously, love richly, live intentionally, and handle your finances biblically. That's what the Faith and Finance Podcast is all about. I'm your host, Adrian Hildebrand, and on the Faith and Finance Podcast, we discuss personal finance, intentional living, and value-aligned spending by sharing inspiring stories and practical topics to help you steward your finances in a way that honors God and builds your faith and wealth for the present and generations to come. Let's get started. Hey friend, welcome back to the Faith and Finance Podcast, or if you're new around here, welcome to the Faith and Finance Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Hildebrand, and today I am finally going to be sharing our full debt-free story with you. So as many of you know, I've mentioned it several times that we were in debt, we got out of debt, but I'm really going to deep dive into that today. So one of the ways I'm going to do that is, ironically enough, Uh, Jen Smith at Frugal Friends and Modern Frugality wrote an article and featured Kyle and I. And so I'm going to kind of read her article because she wrote it so well, but then I'm going to expound on different pieces of it because I think she wrote it so well and kind of did the timeline wonderfully, but there are going to be some things that I want to add into it. So this is to encourage you. I have been in shoes where we had so much debt, we didn't even know what we were going to do. And I mean, it just was overwhelming. And so if you're there, I want to encourage you today. And yes, it's hard work. It was very hard work, but also there's some things that we could have done better along the way uh, to make it easier. And so I just want to share this with you guys today. I will link this article in the show notes. So the full episode show notes will be available on my website. And if you click in whatever app that you're listening to, if you go to the bottom, you'll be able to click the link in order to get to that. So here it goes. So Jen starts us off and she says, in May 2016, everything was going right for Kyle and Adrian Hildebrand. They'd just gotten married and were excited to buy their first house. So we'll get more into that in a second. But anyway, Adrian was working as an admin assistant and Kyle was working one of his many odd jobs. They had a combined income of $30,000 and were hoping it'd be enough to get approved for a loan. So first of all, I was, I've mentioned this before that in that year, well, actually it was 2017. So, so our taxes for 2017 showed that we made $30,000 that year. So in 2016, we probably made a little bit, eh, no, we probably didn't make much more than that. But 2016, I also owned my business. However, as you guys know, I, um, gotten a bunch of debt. So <laughs> with that business. So I often say 2017 is when we started our debt-free journey because that is the truth. Um, that's when I sold off my business and everything like that. But anywho, so in 2016, we were trying to get approved for a house, which, okay, so I was a business owner. The business was actually going really well. But the problem was that I, I ordered all of my inventory. I sold clothes. I ordered all of my in- inventory on credit cards. Okay, so number one, how does a 21-year-old have the capability of getting like $20,000 on a credit card? 
It's because I actually had really good credit, you guys. I had a very small credit card that I had used in college and I would buy like gas or whatever on it and then I would pay it off. I'm talking like $150. And so because over time I had paid it off, I used it, paid it off, used it, paid it off every single month or I don't know if maybe it was every single month, but you get what I'm saying. I had a great credit history. It built my credit. So I had a really good credit. So I was able to get some of the best credit cards, like the Chase cards. I was able to get two of the Chase cards, a Capital One card. I got one from a random bank um, as well. And I had $20,000 in credit and uh, credit that I could use. And I was like, holy cow. So first of all, if you have that much credit that you're able to use or get, it doesn't mean you need to use all of it. Okay, like that is not what needs to happen, but that's what I did. And initially I had a plan to kind of pay everything off, but it didn't work out that way. And I don't really know why. I don't know what really off kiltered me. I guess the fact that we lost our jobs, number one. But I mean, I didn't really have quite a plan to do it. It was just kind of like, oh, I'll get it paid off. And the company that I had worked for at the time with my business, uh, they encouraged people to put this on credit cards because, quote, we would pay it off. And I I personally think that that's not cool of them to do that. I'm not harping on them. It was my choice. Nobody like held held me at gunpoint to do that. But um, I felt like it was something I wanted to do. And, and looking back, I don't regret it at all because it really has led me to this point here. And I learned a lot about business and taxes and all that fun stuff. But anyway, so we, me, us, Kyle and I wanted to buy a house, you know, like every newlywed, we think we have to get a house right away, or we're just not doing things right, which first of all, is not the truth. Everybody has a different way of life, a different thing that they're doing. And that's okay. We were not in any financial position to be buying a house at that point. We had $20,000 in debt, like didn't make a lot of money, you know, about $30,000, maybe a little bit more because I did waitress at the time. But well, I had to report that anyway to taxes. So, okay, $30,000 we were making. And we did get a little bit of money from our church. We were youth pastors. So that went toward our rent. But regardless, we still didn't have an emergency fund. Like how was I going to replace the AC unit when it went out? when I had maxed out all my credit cards? How was I going to replace the tires on my car if something were to happen? I didn't have that. So I was not in the right headspace. It was dumb. It was very stupid. And I'm so glad that what happened was I was working at a company. I was admin assistant and they knew I was trying to buy a house. And quite honestly, like at the time, the company um, was, they they hired me to do... Um, what's it called? Like quality. I was helping the quality guy. I'm going to call it that because I can't remember exactly. And really I was hired for a a set period of time. And quite honestly, I was probably not the greatest, greatest employee ever because I hated it. I didn't like doing admin work, but here we are. Again, you live and you learn and I'm not saying I did everything right, but you know, it happened and I was like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And then I don't remember what my husband was doing at that time. He had some odd jobs during that time trying to figure out what we're doing with our lives. And I was also a pain in the rear at that point in time. So I thought certain things were like not okay to do as far as jobs go. And it wasn't like any, even anything bad, but I was just a dumb 21 year old who thought I had to have all my life figured out when I was young and newlywed. But my husband was in between an odd job and and truthfully too like we just were not 
being good stewards of our money. First of all, we lived in an apartment. We had moved from an apartment and then moved to a different one so that I could have a space to basically store all of my inventory for my business because it had an unfinished basement. We lived in a townhouse, but we still paid $60 more a month for this place. And it was a little bit further out from like our church, but it was like not worth it. It was not worth it um, for us to move because first of all, we didn't really have any money. Like we did not need to be just trying to, not that we really rented that inexpensive of a place, but for our income, like we should have been okay with living well below our means. In fact, looking back, I'm like, I wish we would have lived in a studio apartment or something because we would have um, been so much better off financially, but you live and you learn, right? So those are things that I would have changed in the past, but all this is just part of our story, right? So we went and I had, um, we had put in a bid on a house and won the bid. And truthfully, like it wasn't super crazy expensive. I think it was $105,000, but like we didn't have money people. And so we didn't have 20% down. So that automatically adds a bunch of money that you have to pay, um, through PMI. You have to pay your mortgage and private mortgage insurance when you don't have 20% down. And, um, obviously it was a bigger place. So our utilities would have been more like we, I was not considering all of these things. We were not considering all of these things. And a lot of times you guys hear me and I'll say, I, 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 because a lot of these decisions, my husband is very laid back and I'll be truthful very completely honest. A lot of these decisions were driven a lot by me. He was like, okay with it. Of course, he was supportive in me starting my business and all of that. And of course he wanted a house, but truthfully, like I was just gung ho about it. And he just kind of went along with it. And I'm not saying that's okay. And I'm not proud of that, but you know, we live and we learn, right? So we go and like, we're putting this down payment on this house. It was just, like, or we were trying to put our earnest money down. And I happened to have some money from that because I had just gotten paid from, uh, um, I did a, a, a shop, a sale and I'd gotten paid. So I literally took every bit of money out of that. It was so stupid. You guys it's dumb. But anyway, so I did that. And, um, then like literally the next day, or I can't remember if it was the next week because you know, it's a long process. I got called into my office at work and they said that they were going to let me go because they didn't really need me anymore. I was helping the quality assurance guy and we had an audit and they just didn't really need me anymore. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so that happened. And then whatever job Kyle was doing at the time, he lost that or maybe wasn't working. I can't remember. I cannot remember it for the life of me what he was doing at that time because a lot has happened in four years. So anyway, so I called the realtor and I was like, look, like I just lost my job. There's no way we can get approved for this loan. And of course, I was devastated at the time. The The owners of the home had wanted to give us the house because we really loved it and everything like that. But and the realtor, of course, was mad, which that should have been my first, like, you know, clue that he didn't really care that much about us. <laughs> but I was like, I'm sorry, like, there's no way we can go through with this. Like, I'm not going to get approved for a loan. We're not going to get approved for a loan. And looking back, I'm so thankful that that happened because had it not, we would have been stuck in a situation that we didn't want to be in, right? Like we would have been completely stuck, had nowhere to turn, no, nothing to do. And so I want to also say that if you have your heart set in, on something and 
and the door closes for you, it may be God protecting you. Truthfully, God was protecting us there because our own ignorance was trying to get ahead of us. And, you know, specifically me, I was trying to buy this house to like to prove something to people like who cares? Who cares? You know, we still rent a house and that's okay. Everybody has different things that they're doing. You know, we want to buy a house this year or possibly next year because Kyle, oh, Kyle finally got the job at the police department, which I know you guys have been praying about that. And if you follow me on Instagram and Facebook, you saw that Instagram at faith.in.finance. But you saw that and I'm so thankful. It's such a blessing. It's something he's really wanted to do. And so eventually we want to buy a house, but now we're going to have like a down payment and, and, and we're not, honestly, I don't even know if we'll spend $105,000 on our first house. Like I'm just trying to be as cheap as possible at first to in remodel a place and then use it as a rental property someday. So I don't know, like, but my mindset has really changed. Like God really taught me contentment too, you know, to be content and wherever you're at. So that's the thing about the house. So then Jen says until Adrian unexpectedly lost her job, which I mentioned that. And then several months later, okay. So it was several months. I can't remember y'all. Her husband was laid off. Okay. So She says it was these layoffs that got them thinking about their finances and made them realize buying a house may not have been the best choice. We had no business at all trying to buy a house, Adrian said. We were literally in the process of getting the loan and then we lost our jobs. At the time, I was devastated, but I am so thankful looking back. We would have been in foreclosure in a minute because we had zero savings and no jobs. Like many small business owners, she financed her $20,000 inventory with credit cards, which I mentioned to y'all. She didn't have a plan for paying them off and hoped her entrepreneurial spirit would be enough to make it work. And it did work. I did really well with that business, truthfully, for what it was. But it was just not a good, it was just not good. It was not a good situation. So even as the business turned a profit, Adrian couldn't enjoy her success. The business actually did really well, but I bought all of my inventory on credit cards, so it was constantly bothering me, she said. I knew that it was not how I wanted to run a business, and that is the truth. I am proud to say that Faith and Finance is not ran on credit cards. Faith and Finance as a business is cash flowed, and truthfully, I believe that it's just been a miracle, and I'm so thankful. So it said, less than a year after starting the closest business, she sold her inventory at a loss and looked for a fresh start. Adrienne knew the first thing she and Kyle needed to do was pay off their debt. So I started, so I sold my inventory. So one thing that this thing does not mention, I had this conversation with somebody on LinkedIn when I shared this article. I, he, this guy mentioned that some people, he said he gets tired of seeing articles online about people having a million dollars in the bank at 30 or half a million dollars in the bank at 30 years old, but their mom and dad paid for their school and bought their house. And I basically responded, you know, yes, that is um, the reality for some people. And I said, but one thing that this article does not mention is that my mother bought about $2,000 worth of my inventory. And so that helped me pay off some of my debt. My mother uh, has an eBay store and she was able to make her money back. And so she helped me with that. So that's something that's a privilege that 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 the article did not mention. Another privilege was that right before we moved back to Indiana and when we got out of the lease of our expensive place, we lived with my parents for about three months. So that helped us too to get on our feet. That's something that this doesn't mention. Now, it's not like it was intentional. There's only so much you can put in a, in an article. But what I'm saying is that we all have an extent of privilege. And I think we can find our own stories when other people 
or find ourselves through people's stories, I guess is what I'm trying to say, when they share um, their stories with us. You know, I don't think you should ever hide from the fact that if if you were given money at some point, or if your parents did help you through whatever, or if your husband has a really great job, or you have a really great job, and you make $300,000 a year, like, we all have privileges, you know, like my brother said the other day, we kind of won the lottery when we were born in America. And I believe that because this is an incredible country and not everybody has that opportunity to be born here. So when you hear people's stories, you can either get encouraged by it and inspired, or you can have a victim mentality. And I'm saying that because I hear so many people who say, if it wasn't for this, this, and this, then I would be debt-free. Or if it wasn't for X, Y, Z, then I would have a million dollars in the bank. Okay, that's fine. And maybe that's true. But we all have, we all get to make our choices for ourselves. We all get to move our lives for, we all get to decide how we are going to live our lives. And so the second you fall prey to the victim mentality is the second you will be defeated. I really hope that you hear me because, and I fell prey to it too. And I also had really bad habits with spending money. You guys know that. But the second I let all of that get in control of my life was the minute I was defeated because the minute you start thinking negatively and getting victim thoughts and all those things in your mind and in your heart and in your spirit, you start speaking that into existence. It follows you. You reap what you sow. And so I was, I was just tired of it. I was so tired of it. And so I just had to put that in here. So, you know, yes, certain people may have a different privilege than you do. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not here to argue about what privilege is, what it's not, blah, 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 yada, yada. Um, Part of my privilege is growing up in a certain zip code. You know what I'm saying? Like, we all have certain amounts of privilege. So that's one thing that the article doesn't say. So my parents helped me out, helped us out a little bit during that time, three months. Okay, whatever. But still, I've, I've seen people go back and live with their parents for X amount of time to get out of debt. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to sacrifice to make your life different? What are you willing to do? I, I hear people say, oh, I have to have a college degree to do X, Y, and Z job. Okay, yeah, to be a pharmacist, I have to have a certain college degree. But I don't have my college degree and I'm able to do the work that I'm doing now through this and through my full-time job. I don't know why I'm getting on this tangent, but I think somebody needs to hear me clearly because I'm not being ugly. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm just trying to say, you get to decide what your life is going to be. You get to decide how you are going to react to things, how life, what if, what life hands you. We've seen people overcome incredible obstacles. Like everyone in the Bible had crazy stories. Are you kidding me? So it's like, and we ha- are so privileged here. We can learn anything we want to know on the internet. You know what I'm saying? So like, what is your excuse? What are you willing to do to get out of the situation that you're in? And so this part of it talks about where we were side hustling, basically. So it says, Adrian waitressed at a Texas roadhouse in the evenings and worked in her friend's consignment shop on her nights off. She and Kyle also worked as youth pastors and Adrian began a full-time job as a bank teller. Actually, it was a part-time job. But again, I we were communicating through email, so I may have said the wrong thing. But regardless, it was still, you know, I had to be at work. So I worked several jobs. Um, working four jobs when you count the youth pastor, it was, wasn't easy. But she decided it was necessary. If it 
If I didn't work those side jobs, we would have barely paid our bills, let alone contributed to paying off our debt, she said. It was a hard time, but I kept thinking, there will be an end. This is only temporary. This sacrifice is worth it. So let me ask you again, what are you willing to do to move from the situation that you're in? I shared this on Facebook the other day, but I remember feeling so discouraged at one point when we were starting our debt-free journey because we didn't even make $40,000 combined, okay? And I remember posting on Facebook, it came up in my memories that, and I was asking a sincere question. I was not being ugly. I was not trying to be mean, but I had been listening to Dave Ramsey's show and a lot of the people on there made at least $40,000 combined and were able to pay off their debt. So I was, I was genuinely getting on Facebook to ask, well, how do I, how do I do this? Like, how can, how, how can we do this? And people had their comments to say and, and helpful and whatever. But what it really came down to was I had to get creative and think about, okay, well, what can I do? Instead of thinking about what I cannot do, what can I do? And I knew that I could ask if my mother wanted to buy some of my inventory. I knew that I could ask if we could live with my parents for three months before we moved so that we could get out of our lease. I knew that I could go waitress at night when I was exhausted and didn't want to, but I could make some extra cash because I was only part-time at the bank. I knew that I could go work for my friend at her consignment store, and it was hard to have a social life during that time. I was very overweight, which partially was because of the depression of just everything, and being a newlywed is hard work, y'all. Being a newlywed is hard. Being married is hard work, and I'm not at all blaming, and I I hope I don't sound ugly today because my, my intention is not to be, and I'm getting emotional now, my intention is not to be ugly or mean to you, but to say, You get to decide what your life is going to be and what are you going to do to move yourself out of one situation into another one? What will you do? What will you sacrifice? And it's only for a time. It's all in a season. So if you can say, if I can do this for for one year or three months, we will be this much closer to our goal, or we may be completely out of debt, or we may have saved enough money for me to quit my job so I can stay home with my children, or we may have saved this much money to pay cash for vacation, whatever that looks like. you That's why value aligned spending is so important, you guys, to, to get clear about what it is you care about. That's why it's so important. And what we cared about, what I cared about at the time was getting out of debt because I didn't want to live my life like that. I was miserable. So all that to say, when you're juggling a full-time job, it says in this article, with a side hustle, you have to become more organized and protective of your time to fit everything in. So number one was stop multitasking. Instead of signing up for an app like Uber or Postmates that lets you clock in wherever you want, Adrienne worked side hustles that required her to show up at a certain time. They weren't as flexible as working from home, but they allowed her to be fully present at home when she wasn't working. You may think you can multitask, but you're more effective when you focus on one thing at a time. A study done in France showed that participants who had to complete two tasks at the same time were more likely to forget details and made three times as many mistakes. So for me, yeah, I probably could have figured out how to make money blogging, but it was way easier for me to drive across the street to the Texas Roadhouse in Greenwood to work evenings and to get cash right away than to figure out how blogging worked at the moment. Because now I can do that. Now I can figure out how to blog, how to podcast, because I have a little bit of time. I don't make a ton of money with this podcast, you guys. Like 
I do not at all. I was like, I just need to do something to get out of this mess. <laughs> so that's what I did. That was the easy thing at the moment. It doesn't always have to be easy, but it was a trade-off for things, right? So that's what I did. Number two is you got to schedule it. it. says, Adrian said she learned and mastered time management strategies to stay on top of her responsibilities. I scheduled everything, she said. If I didn't have a place on the calendar or if it didn't have a place on the calendar, we couldn't do it. And it, my life is kind of still like that. Even if you want to make time for yourself and you're like, how do I balance everything? How do I do everything? You put it in a calendar. And if you have an appointment with yourself that night, okay, then it's an appointment on the calendar. Again, what are you willing to sacrifice to get to where you want to be? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to get out of your comfort zone? Are you willing to schedule time? Are you willing to learn something new? What are you willing to do? So don't let your day be dictated by your to-do list. Schedule your work and activities and then stick to your schedule. Spend the last 15 minutes of the day scheduling the next day. And these are not things... I, uh, Jen, you know, wrote the article. So of course she is adding things too about how to time manage things. But um, I, I agree with that. And I don't always do that now, but I find that my day works much better when I do schedule things out. So that thing, that really helps. Whenever possible, schedule your side hustles early in the day. As the day goes on, you're less likely to want to deliver food or walk other people's dogs. This is easier to do on the weekends, but you can sometimes get a few gigs in on your way home from work during the week. I actually, that's true. I actually heard of a person who would, who lived in New York, which I know not everyone lives in a city like that. But again, stop with the excuses. Stop it. Just figure out what works and do it. Um, and I'm preaching to myself because sometimes I have excuses even now about things. Adrian, you can't get coaching clients because you don't know what you're doing. Well, I, I, there is a part of me is, as far as this business goes that I don't know what I'm doing. And that's okay. That's okay. Because it's all about learning and being okay with failure and learning and moving on, moving on, pressing forward. So number three says, oh, sorry, the guy in New York. Back, see, y'all, this is what I get. Get on my tangents and forget. The guy in New York basically knew that, he, or he rode his bike to work every day. So he said, if I'm already going to be riding my bike home and it takes me 45 minutes to get home, I can pick up, make sure I'm available to do Uber Eats or DoorDash or Grubhub. Is it Grubhub? where you do food, you pick up people's food and you take it to them during this amount of time because I'm already on my bike going home and I pass these restaurants. Okay, get creative. Like that didn't add any more difficulty to this person's life and they were able to make like $25 an hour doing it. Okay, fantastic. That adds up over time. So number three says, be willing to say no. Don't let others control your time. Be willing to say no to jobs that don't pay well or events you don't really want to do. You can fit anything into your day, but not everything. Be straightforward, but courteous in setting your boundaries and you'll find you have more time for the things that really matter. So one of the things I want to highlight in this is we had to start saying no to things like to people wanting to go out to eat all the time, because first of all, my bad habits would kick back in. Second of all, I, we didn't really have the money to do so and it hurt and it was hard, but people, most people respected that. And if your friends can't be okay with that, then maybe you need to get some new friends. I'm just saying, like if your friends cannot appreciate the fact that you're trying to make your life better and want to guilt trip you for saying no to things or guilt trip you for being uh, schedulers of your time and saying like now when my friends ask to do something, it pretty much has to go on a calendar a week or two in advance because I schedule things out. I schedule my life out. And I'm not saying there's not room for spontaneity, but also with my intentional spend year, I have to be more 
um, intentional about how I spend my time. So there's that. So she says, you can pay off your debt no matter what your schedule look, looks like. After two and a half years of hustling, the Hildebrands made their last credit card payment in July 2019. Now that they're debt-free, Adrian said she likes only working one job, which technically I like my full-time job and I am working one job, but also Faith and Finance is a job. This podcast, like not just the podcast, but Faith and Finance is my business is a job. Being a wife is a job. <laughs> like, So I think I what I mean is that I like just working, you know, one normal job. Although you guys know I want to be self-employed. Um, I want to continue coaching people and educating and being a speaker full time because I really feel like this is what God has called me to do and he'll open the doors. But again, I'm just getting creative and trusting the Lord and walking through doors that open. So she says, now that they're debt free, Adrian says she likes only working one job. She started a new business as a certified financial education instructor, helping others get their finances on track before a, before a crisis happens. Kyle and Adrian still hope to become homeowners one day, but they're glad it didn't happen when they originally wanted. Some of the best doors have opened for us after debt freedom because we're no longer slaves to our debt, she said. There's hope if you're struggling to pay off debt on a low income. There are plenty of online jobs that pay well and don't require much experience. Keep trying and applying until you find the ones that work for you. If you need to work multiple jobs to pay off debt or make ends meet, use time management techniques to open up small pockets of time for getting more done. You'll find the more intentional you are with your time, the faster you can achieve your goals. That was a great article, Jen. Seriously, thank you so much. But it's true. I, I really hope that you guys are hearing my heart today. I'm not pounding into you. I'm not trying to be ugly because I'm preaching to myself sometimes. I'm preaching to myself today too because sometimes I still... Feel like I'm a victim. Oh, I could never do X, Y, Z. Okay, well, yeah, if you're just moping around about it, you're not. Like, stop blaming everyone else for all of your situations. Stop blaming yourself. Like, okay, acknowledge that you messed up. If you got yourself into a bad financial situation or you're not where you want to be, okay, I get it. We should strive and press toward the mark, right? Like, we should do do those things, but don't live in guilt. Say, okay, I made this mistake. I did this. I didn't do this. Show yourself grace and move on. Keep moving forward because that's what life is about. That's what the Lord wants for your life. I hope that you enjoyed this episode today, even though it felt like I was like yelling at you. Maybe I was just preaching. That's what I was doing. I was just preaching. I was emphatically, you know, whatever, but you get it. So I just wanted to leave that with y'all today. And I, truthfully, you guys know the second I we started making commitments to get better with our money, the Lord like honored that truthfully. And I just want to encourage you that wherever you're at in your situation, and if there's anything that I can do to help, you guys know that I am also a financial coach. And of course, I, I try to answer one-off questions on Instagram and things like that. But if you need ongoing help, if you want ongoing support, if you want somebody who has literally dedicated their life to learning how this stuff works and understanding psychology about money and things like that, I'm happy to help you. You can go to my website, hit the financial coaching tab and set up a time to talk to me for 15 minutes for free. Because truthfully, I'm going to say to you, eh, I don't think I can help you if I can't. And I'll maybe refer you to someone else if I have another referral. I'm not going to do that. But if you just want to talk to me and and you want some help and you are interested in ongoing coaching, you can go to my website at faithandfinance.org slash financial coaching. 
But other than that, continue to listen to this podcast. You know, I want to be inspiring to you here. I'm not just here to to make money, although I know that in order to do what I want to do, I do need to make it my job. So, you know, and the same for you, like whatever you're doing too, whatever skill that you have, market it, make some money doing it, pay off your debt. Like I, you guys are going to hear a call I did, uh, an online coaching call I did, on air coaching call, can't talk, that I did with um, a girl soon. And I, we talked through some ways in which she can use her talents to make money now to help her save and to pay off some debt. Like think about those things. Um, truly one of my talents now is really being an encouragement to people. And also because I really like crunching numbers and looking at things and being account- an accountability partner to people. And that's why I like being a coach now. I didn't really expect this for myself, but here we are. So whatever your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. I just want to encourage you today. I hope that you liked this episode. If you did, let me know. If you didn't, please let me know too, because I don't know if I don't know. You can follow me at faith.in.finance on Instagram. Visit me at faithandfinance.org. And on the homepage, you can sign up for my newsletter. That's where I touch base with everyone mostly. And of course, on Instagram and Facebook, Faith in Finance on Facebook as well. But reach out to me there. I love talking to you guys. And I just, I love this community that we're building. We're here to encourage each other. And I love y'all. And I hope that you keep the faith, my friend. Thank you.